and welcome to another episode of season four of Tell Me This, where we are focusing on relationships and belonging. And Carrie, I'm so excited, really looking forward to today's <laughs> episode because right in front of us on our Zoom, drinking a nice cup of tea is our friend and my former classmate from Hopkins, Dr. Crystal Newby. So Crystal, thank you so much for being here. Thanks y'all so much for having me. I'm, I'm so excited about this. I've been looking forward to this. So Yay. thank you. Yay. Well, so have we. So let me just give our listeners um, some information about you. We know how wonderful you are, but this is some really impressive stuff here in the bio. So let me share this. Dr. Crystal Newby is an education and DEI professional with more than 18 years of experience in the higher education and association sectors. She currently serves as Senior Director of Strategic Admission, Access, and Diversity Initiatives at the College Board and previously served as the inaugural Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at the National Association for College Admission Counseling, or NACAC, where she worked for eight years. She worked in college admission offices at the University of Scranton, Montclair State University, and Bloomsburg University. Her education credentials include a BA and MS from the University of Scranton, where she currently serves as a trustee, and an EBD from Hopkins. Yes! In addition, Dr. Newby has been a member of the selection committee for the American School Counselor Association's School Counselor of the Year Award, as well as a facilitator and a consultant for the National Association of Secondary School Principals. She is currently a member of the Advisory Council for the Philadelphia College Prep Roundtable, a college access and completion network, and in January 2022, joined the Board of Directors for Extraordinary Birthdays a nonprofit who hosts birthday parties for children residing in homeless shelters in DC, Maryland, and Virginia. In 2020, she interviewed Ibram X. Kendi, National Book Award winner and New York Times bestselling author of How to Be an Anti-Racist. In 2021, Dr. Newby had an essay published in Chicken Soup for the Soul. I'm speaking now. Black women share their truth in 101 stories of love, courage, and hope. So how about that? She's been pretty busy. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I thought I knew you, but I didn't. You've been busy, right? lady. <laughs> you know, it's know. so wild, right? Like when I hear you read it, because I've put it together. And I think sometimes as individuals, when we're, you know, working in our personal lives, professional lives, you're like, what have we done? Like, how have we contributed, you know, to the world? And I'm like, well, dang, I've done a few little things. Yeah. And I'd say it's, uh, it's like, it still like blows my mind, you know, yeah. when hearing someone else say it, I'm like, wow, like, yeah, I've been so blessed to have been able to do those things. So yeah, yeah. it's well, crazy. So of all the people you've been <laughs> engaged with, for sure. So Crystal, we always like to start with a question just to check in, to say, how are you? How are things? How's your family? How's it going? Yeah, you know, I was sharing with uh, Brienne and Carrie before we hopped on. I'm actually in Massachusetts right now visiting some of my family. I'm not too far from Carrie. Um, I have a newborn niece who's a Mm. month old and I'm um, getting to visit my two-year-old niece, who's also my goddaughter. And I get to see my brother, my sister-in-law, my mom, um, mm-hmm. who lives about 10 minutes away. So 
Um, I'm enjoying just being in their space for the week. Like I, for the whole week, I'm like, I'm just coming up here, y'all. I'm going to work for the week remote from your house and snuggle my girls and Aww, love just it. hang out with the fam. <laughs> yeah. So like, I'm good. I'm great. And plus <laughs> like, I have an awesome view. Their house sits on a lake on a reservoir. And so I'm looking at the water and like the fall leaves changing colors. Cause fall's my favorite. So mm-hmm. You know, I'm happy and I got my hot tea here and I'm talking with two of my good girlfriends. So it's all good. <laughs> good. It's all good. I can actually see the reflection in the window or door of the tree. So I'm imagining part of the view that you have there. So, yeah, which I love. And I have to say, remembering back to a two-year-old, I'm surprised you're able to sit and do this podcast because typically we wish and wish and wish for our toddlers to start walking. And then we're like, oh, they're walking. And that means I have to chase them everywhere. (laughs) Right. And so the good thing is she's on the inside with my brother and my (laughs) sister-in-law, keeping her contained before nap time. Got it. Um, Got it. So I lucked, but otherwise it's her CC come CC run like she's yeah so all the things all the things but it's so much fun that's fantastic (laughs) well good well as we said um before we hit record I'm I'm just thrilled to have you both here because I as you know I just loved working with the 2017 cohort at Hopkins and so it's great to reconnect and I'm just blown away by this this bio and you have done more than a few little things, uh, Dr. Newby. And p- part of the reason we wanted to have you on this podcast is because of some of the little big things that you've done and, and experiences you've had in your professional work. Because as you know, this podcast is around belonging and the, the really one of the goals for this season was to engage with lots of different people with diverse lenses. Mm-hmm. and diverse experiences to really better understand this idea of belonging. So the first question has to be, <laughs> um, can you share how your either both and or your life and professional experiences sort of frame your understanding of belonging? Yeah, for sure. And that's such a great first question. And I think for me as an adult, I really started to understand belonging. I don't think it's something I had really thought about, um, you know, as like a kid or as a teenager. Now that I reflect back, you know, I understand it a little bit more. But I think with belonging, I really am looking at it through a professional mm-hmm. lens at this point. And part of it, honestly, is feeling like I am a part of, you know, my professional community. Um, and being someone who people know um, and, you know, feel comfortable talking to or, you know, will recommend me for something um, or come to me for suggestions for something. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I look at it from that sense. I, I remember this had to be, I think it was like 2013. I don't know if either of you have done this before. But I had written down like a little list of things that I had hoped to accomplish like over the next 10 years and had completely forgotten that I had written it down until a couple months ago, I came across it and I took a picture of it. And one of them was get an EDD. Check. Check. (laughs) (laughs) Hadn't even remembered that I had written that down. And the other one was being seen as a leader Mm. in our profession. And 
I feel like I've gotten to that space now, you know, um, which is really cool. So I feel like I, you know, have that sense of belonging in this profession that I've been a part of for 18 years. I couldn't have imagined that I'd be where I am now, having started out as a 22 year old admissions counselor on the road, driving (laughs) to high schools and, you know, telling kids about my college basically, right? (laughs) To now being someone who has had these wonderful opportunities within my profession to work at the national level and to engage with my colleagues from across the country and some even across the world, you know, which is really cool. So I've really cultivated those relationships. And so that's kind of how I, how I look at it right now. I really look at it through my professional lens, that, that Mm. sense of belonging. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering, can you speak a little bit more? And and we've talked a lot on this podcast and I know you'll appreciate this, Crystal. You know, language is so important. The words that we use and Mm -hmm. the way that we use them and making sure and checking in with others to see if they how they're interpreting the language that we use. And so if you had to put a few words to this idea of belonging, what comes up for you? Um, so I so I thought about this. And so the first two words that came to me, I wrote them down, were authentic self hmm. and also being comfortable in your own skin. And so when I thought about it a little bit more, thinking about like defining belonging, I came up with creating spaces for individuals to show up as their authentic selves. Hmm. And I think that's all we all want you know, through this life, right? Whether we're in our relationships with our family, with our friends, with our colleagues, what that looks like in our workspaces, what that looks like in social groups and social circles, we all want to be able to show up as our authentic selves um, and, and, and be accepted as that. That's how I define belonging, right? Because you can show up as who you are And there are going to be some folks who may be turned off by that um, or who may be uncomfortable. Um, But I think it's important that we have to create those spaces to to make it comfortable Mm -hmm. um, for others to be able to be who they are. Because I think that's all we want to be able to be in life. We want to be able to live our lives authentically and to be who we are and to be able to do that openly and freely amongst everyone. Mm -hmm. So that's that's kind of how I look at it, thinking about the language uh, piece. Yeah. I know we're not in a church, but I feel like there's an amen in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> we yes. have a good amen, amen to the authenticity, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> so Crystal, you know, in your bio and even just in these first few minutes, you are a person who is a cultivator of relationships. I mean, you, you said it yourself from the time that you were just going out to high schools and saying, you know, Scranton is the bomb. You want to come here. What is it about belonging? How critical is belonging to relationships, right? So maybe from those, those types of relationships through the ones that you were mentioning before, when people feel comfortable coming to you, when they see you as the leader who's trustworthy, where well, is you belonging said it right in that there. for you? Brian, you said trustworthy. And that's the first thing that came to my mind is trust. When you have that sense of belonging in relationships, it's being able to trust each other, right? Um, you know, I think about it in terms of even working with my colleagues. You know, if you're working um, together on projects or whatever the case may be, or just 
you know, being in the same workspace, being on the same team as, as each other, having that sense of belonging, cultivating those relationships, like allows me to be able to trust others, my colleagues, and I think vice versa. Um, pardon me. I think that's how that's how I try to live. I try to, you know, create those spaces where people see me as trustworthy, see me as reliable. Um, and I think that's important, you know, with those relationships. Um, if you don't feel like you can be yourself um, with other people, then you might have that hesitancy to trust them, right? That's going to be lacking. You may not feel comfortable um, relying on them or approaching them or, you know, sharing things with them, right? But I also think it's, this happens in stages too, when we're mm -hmm. thinking about belonging and we're thinking about cultivating relationships, like this doesn't just happen overnight. This takes time and there's layers to it. And we have to realize that as well. I think sometimes we lose sight of that and it's more like bam in your face. Like this is what it's gonna be. This is who I am, which I'm comfortable with that, but also understanding that on the other end, it takes a little bit of time too. Um, because when you're cultivating those relationships, like you're spending time getting to know the individual um, and understanding, you know, how they operate and, um, you know, what's important to them and, and things like that. And that can be personally or professionally. You know, I feel like one thing for me professionally, I've always tried to, um, I feel like I've always left places with good relationships, mm. um, having created good relationships, even when I left one job after a year because um, I wasn't happy in that job. I still have one of my very dear best friends out of having worked there. Um, so, you know, I, I think about it kind of that way too. I tried to leave spaces mm -hmm. where I've created meaningful relationships. And then I hope that I've created space where those individuals feel like they belong. Yeah, I love I love that, like leaving a space. I love that idea. We haven't had that quite articulated mm -hmm. and I really like that. Can I jump in, Brianne? I didn't know if you had yeah, a of course. question. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, I have like a hundred questions and I know we only have a little bit of time. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to be mindful. So one of the things, um, Crystal, we love to do with our podcast is offer as tangible, right? And as specific as we can so that our listeners can be like, oh, I see that, I get that, I can use that or whatever. And so you said a couple of words, you said trust, um, and we've you've said space a couple of times. And trust is one of those words for me, at least in my own experiences, is it's kind of a, I know it when I feel it kind of thing. And so I'm yeah. wondering when you think about those relationships and cultivating those connections and trust, can you give us some examples and even the stages that you mentioned of belonging? Can you give us... I know I've been calling them markers, like some some guideposts mm -hmm. for like you feel like, yes, it, it's there and it's at this level or yes, it's there and it's gotten to this level. Do you have those in your own experience that you could share? I will certainly do my best. Yeah. Um, you know, to your point, Carrie, I feel exactly what you said. You know, trust is like when you feel that, mm. um, like, you know, that, you know, you know that it's there. And I think it's a part of trusting your intuition, right? Mm. Like trusting your gut. Um I think in terms of thinking of markers, um, one for me, oh, this is a good one. 
This is a good question. You got me thinking like in a million different directions and I want to make sure I like narrow it down because otherwise I will be talking to y'all for an hour (laughs) and a half and we can't be doing all that. Um, I I think I'll, I'll put it in perspective from where I am now. So I've been at a new job for a year. And, you know, first coming in, we were kind of talking about this before we um, recorded, you know, when you're going to a new place, right, it, it can be a little scary, it can be a little anxious, because you're meeting new people, and you're coming into a new environment that you have to get adjusted to, and even vice versa, right, the people on the other end are meeting someone new, you know, and so that's how it was for me going into my current job um, at College Board even though I felt comfortable in terms of like the content piece, the work, right? Because it's up my alley. Um, I've been in this work for over 18 years, but that's cool. But it's like, okay, what are these relationships going to look like? (laughs) Because that's part of (laughs) success as well. If we're being honest, like you're cultivating those relationships. I think that also ties into how successful you can be as an individual with your work or even as an organization. Um, And so I kind of, um, I I feel like I showed up as myself um, initially. I think we all kind of pull a little back (laughs) at first when you're first meeting people, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're like, I'm meeting them for the first time. You don't need to tell them all your business, like your whole life story. (laughs) But like, you know, you might pull a little piece, few pieces back. But I think as I had more conversations um, with my colleagues, I felt more comfortable like sharing more. And by that, I mean, even talking about like personal life, right? Mm-hmm. Like sharing, yeah, you know, at home, I have two dogs and a cat um, and, a, and a partner and I have two nieces and, you know, my family and I were from Ohio, like things like that. Like, I felt like I got more comfortable kind of sharing um, personally with some of my colleagues as time went on. And um, I don't know, I wish I had a better answer for that, Carrie, because it's such an amazing question and I don't have like a solid well, I think it, I mean, I think it's a good I mean, I, I, look, I'm not here. This isn't this is a no judgment zone. So I'm not even going to say what I was going to say. What I heard you say, I'm going to reflect it back to you is what it sounds to me like is you do some modeling um, and yes. some risk taking, which is you are willing to share a little bit. So I wrote down three things. I wrote down modeling, risk taking and boundaries. Um, and that's what I heard you say. And so those are all really tangible. They show up differently for different people. They look different in different situations. And yet we can all take from modeling, risk-taking and boundaries. Um, the one question I had for you, Crystal, because you sort of alluded to it earlier, you mentioned, um, safety, right? We talked a little bit about safety in those spaces to show up as yourself. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, like, can you share either from a student's experience, a colleague's experience, your own experience? Like, what does that process look like when you're either trying to cultivate that space to be psychologically safe? Or I don't like to use the word comfortable, honestly, because I feel like we also need to be able to show up in and be uncomfortable. So, like, I, I'm sticking with safety um, in that sort of stance. But I'm just wondering. Like how do you, how do you navigate that when, for example, maybe you've been um, smacked down in another space where you've tried to risk yeah. being yourself? And so, like, can you talk a little bit like what do you see in your students and colleagues and how does that make sense as a question? Like, I'm just curious if you could talk a little bit like when it's missing and like what happens? Yeah, it, it makes perfect sense um, because you're absolutely right. I think, you know, here's what I'll say. 
to your point, Carrie, with something that you just said, especially when you're coming from like a previous place where maybe you have been, like you said, smacked down, pushed <laughs> around, where you're feeling like yeah. drained. Let's talk about mm. it, right? I'll yeah. tell you, I left a job like that mm. um, before I came to my current job. And um, I had been at that job. Um, you had mentioned it in my bio, uh, Brianne. I've been there, I was there for eight years and I did a lot of great things there and I made a lot of great relationships with colleagues and things like that. But getting towards the end, I was absolutely miserable. Mm. I was miserable. I was not happy. Um, I actually talked about this on like one of my podcast episodes or like <laughs> my first little thing. You know, one of my colleagues had said to me, what, I knew it was time to go, but she said to me, she goes, you've lost your joy. Mm. And when she said it to me, someone who was looking at it from the outside, she's like, I can see it in your face. She goes, I can see it how, you know, how you're acting. When she said that literally that day, I decided I'm going to leave this job. And mm -hmm. I put together a plan, talked to my partner over that weekend. And he was like, yeah, you need to go. And then gave two weeks notice. Wow. And so leaving, having felt that way, mm -hmm. coming into a new work environment about a month later, I was, I had planned to take like more time off to like find <laughs> myself. Like that was my whole, I was going to take some time. My partner, he was totally supportive. I'm like, I'm gonna find myself. I'm gonna figure it out. And then I'll get another job. Month later, it was in another job quite fast, <laughs> um, but entered it still having some of that anxiety mm. that I had experienced as I was leaving my previous job. Mm. And um, I felt comfortable telling one of my new coworkers that who, mm. who I think she and I hit it off right away. And we have really built a great relationship like my first couple of weeks there, I could still feel like tension in the back mm. of my head, like tension, headache and felt stressed. Mm. And that was, you know, from experiencing what I had experienced previously. Yeah. Not and to, not, so, not to um, diminish how you're feeling, but I have to say the words that were coming up for me were a rebound job. <laughs> it, it, well, you know, it's, and I think some people kind of thought that too. Yeah. Um, they were like, uh, what are you, I was like, I don't know, but I, I, I you got it's scared. Let's just, let's call it what it is. Right. It's yeah. here. Yeah. Um, even though I was like, so stoked to like, take this time to like, figure out what I wanted to do and kind of what was next for me and had the support, thankfully, you mm -hmm. know, being able to have the support from a partner who was supportive because not everybody has that. Mm -hmm. Not everybody has the financial means to be able to do that. And so I was in a good space. Um, but fear, let's just call it what it is. It was like, oh, I have this great <laughs> job opportunity. I mean, really it was a great job opportunity, um, you know? And I was like, okay. But yeah, those first couple of weeks, I, I had second uh, thoughts Yeah, because I was still feeling what I had mm. felt previously. I hadn't really dealt with it. Mm. And so thinking about that, I hope I'm getting back to your question, Carrie. I had to like kind of put some background to it. Yeah. Um, you know, going into a new environment, working with new people, I certainly was feeling, what is it? Trepidatious. Is that the word? That makes sense to me. I don't know if that was the word you mm -hmm. were thinking of, but that makes sense to me. I think that's the word, right? That, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, feeling a little trepidatious about how I interacted with others, right? And also thinking about too, um, you know, what do, what all did these individuals know about me outside of my resume? Like, did they know, you know, me from my other work and things like that? Um, so yeah, so those were real concerns or worries, right? Mm -hmm. Coming into that new space. But I, am very grateful for colleagues who really felt 
made me feel welcome from day one, um, who were excited about me being a part of the team, um, who were excited about what I could bring um, to our team and to the organization. And so that really helped. Um, kind of already having some folks there who were cheerleaders, who want to, who want to see me succeed. Um, And so I think that right there really helped kind of ease my mind. And within probably like that first month, I finally felt like I could breathe, Mm. if that makes sense. You know, having come from where I had come from previously. I don't know that I actually answered your question. Yeah, you, you did. You did. <laughs> Again, like I, I'll tell you just to reflect back to you, like what I heard you say, I used, I used the word trauma. That's not the word you use trauma. So no, but um, I was actually going to use it and I yeah. didn't say it, but that's exactly, I that's think there exactly are different, right. I think it's okay to use that word trauma. There are different kinds of trauma on different levels. But what I wrote down was previous trauma lingering into new spaces of belonging. And so, yeah. right. So cause I, I think what I loved about what you shared, Crystal, is that you initially said create space where individuals can show up as authentic self. And mm-hmm. I think at least me, the human, so the human instinct in me only went to the good things. And I think what you just reminded me of is that that also means, and I wrote down with an asterisk, not always good feelings are going to show up. That's also part of being authentic. So I think that was a really yeah. nice I don't know if you did it on purpose or not, but it was a nice connecting with what you said early. And then, so that's what I heard I'll you say. I'll take credit for it. I'll take credit. Yeah. Good. Do it. <laughs> Maybe 2022. There you go. Yes. <laughs> citation. Hashtag you can, that. you can edit that citation. Yeah. I'm not editing it. So. <laughs> uh, Crystal, I want to circle back to something you said and Carrie just reflected it as well, but Our next question is about belonging to self. And that just seems to be sort of the core of our conversation here, even though we're talking about you in relationship and you in various roles and positions. But what do you think? What is your view of that belonging to self? I I think one, and I had mentioned this earlier and I meant to hold off on it for now because this is where I think it really is important is being comfortable in your skin. Um when you're thinking about belonging to self, because if you're not comfortable in your skin, you're not showing up as your authentic self in -hmm. other spaces and with other individuals. So you have to figure out, you know, what that looks like for you. And I know for me, um, one thing that I think about often, I feel like sometimes I stick my foot in my mouth but I don't know that I really do. Cause like, I'll say something and I'm like, oh damn, I shouldn't have said that. Mm-hmm. And it'll be like that thing that'll linger, like that random thing that'll linger with me, but like nobody else cares <laughs> about it, but it's me. That's like feeling self-conscious about a comment I said, or something that I may have done that really in the grand scheme of things was small. Mm-hmm. And so that I used to like, um, worry myself with that, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I'm like, ultimately that's just who I am. And it's nothing out of like being malicious or anything like that. Um, it's just, that's, that's how, how I am. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it's taken time. And I think we, as individuals, you continuously evolve into your sense of self and belonging and understanding, um, and understanding yourself. I think you know, over the years that can change. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's okay because we as individuals change, you know, we're not meant to be the same person um, that maybe we were previously. I think you're going to have some of those aspects of yourself, but you grow and you mature and you find, um, figure out other things about yourself. Um, and I think that contributes to your, your own sense um, of belonging and understanding who you are um, as a person. But I think ultimately it's being comfortable in your skin. You know, I mean, Beyonce yeah. has, she says that in her son, Cozy, right now. She's comfortable in her skin, cozy with who she is. Mm. I'm like, now okay, we have to say, now we have to say, now we have to cite Beyonce. Beyonce. <laughs> hey, let me tell you that Renaissance album. Woo, <laughs> you dropped some gems in there. <laughs> so Crystal, <clears throat> you're a leader, right? You mentioned that we, we know this from your, from your bio and you had mentioned that, you know, you're, you're feeling seen sometimes as a leader now. What approaches and strategies do you use to cultivate belonging in the people or among the people who you lead or who you work with? Yeah, I love that question, Brianne. And I think for me, and this is, you know, again, learned over the years, right? Um, I think it's being open, if that makes sense. and understanding that not everyone's perspectives are going to be the same um, as yours. But I think about it in terms of, you know, my work, I, I think that I've always tried to make people feel comfortable. Like if they're talking to me, if they're having a conversation, like we're having a conversation, I want them to know that I'm listening. You know what I mean? Like I try to, to really display that. Um, I think that's one reason why people, you know, feel comfortable around me or, you know, whatever the case may be. I just think that I've tried to create that space um, mm-hmm. where people, or I'm approachable. Let me put it that way too, right? Um, <clears throat> I think that I've created that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that certainly has helped. Um, certainly it's a, I feel like that's a learned thing. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that, some people, maybe they have that. Maybe they have that naturally. And I feel like sometimes I do, but I also feel like it's learned over the years as well. I feel like I've learned from even colleagues and friends and you know former supervisors, you know what I mean? How to create that space because they created it for me. Mm-hmm. And so I've been able to learn, I think, how to do that for others. Um, I think of one of my colleagues in particular, former colleague of mine who is one of my dearest friends, and he created that kind of space um, when we first started working together. And I've learned so much from him about how to navigate relationships, how to cultivate those relationships so that people want to engage with you and people do see you, um, you know, as, as that leader or as that individual, you know, that knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've learned some of that from others. Um, and, and so definitely I have to give credit where credit's due, um, because I, I think I had some of those skills, right. Just being who I am as a person. Um, I think I'm welcoming to people. I think when people see me or who know me, they see energy, they say it. Um, but I've learned from others, like how to cultivate those spaces, um, where people feel comfortable 
um, yeah. and feel like they belong. So I have to give credit where credit's due. I mean, I can just say yes to all of the things you said. And I've never worked with you professionally, but I feel like, you know, when we went through that program together, there was a lot of relationship building and all of us came from totally different contexts and we were thrown into this really challenging situation together. And some of the things that I remember from you um, always exuding this warmth and sort of just an invitation. And I just felt comfortable immediately upon meeting you. So there's that initial, I think, just presence that you have that actually, I don't think that's taught. I think that's just you, Crystal. Like, I think that's who you are. I think the questions you ask can be taught and, and sort of those things can be refined. Like we all can learn some skills there. But one other thing that I remember about us as we sort of developed our relationship was that you made your needs known. And to me, that's like a piece of being authentic to yourself. Like if we were studying in a group, you're like, look, guys, love you all. This isn't going to work. Got to go. Right. <laughs> so that to me, I was like, good for her because I might've been feeling the same way, but maybe would not have said that. And that's something that I really respected about you. Um, and I feel like it aligns with this. And I wasn't really thinking about it before this conversation, but as you're talking about being true to yourself, I was thinking, what do I know of Crystal and how did our relationship evolve? And I think those are like really important attributes that I've seen yeah. over, over our years. So. Yeah. I, I would, really appreciate that. Yeah. And I would agree. I mean, I, I obviously our relationship was different than the relationship you had with Brianne and continues to evolve. And I, when you were describing the energy, I was mm -hmm. like, no one can see yes. it, but I was like, yes. I can see it. I can feel it. I mean, your smile yeah. alone to me exudes so much energy and that openness and welcome welcoming that you you described. And I just want to harken back and tie in. I love you've offered so many strategies today, like modeling keeps coming up both in your the way that you sort of walk through the world and also the props you're giving to other folks who have been in your world to influence you. So I love I love that. Um, boundaries to me, being able to ask for what you need is a form of a boundary, right? To being able to say, I've done what I can, I'm done, or this is what I need. So I love that you're showing us really explicitly what boundaries could look like. I did have one question because I think you've just helped me reclaim the word comfort. I don't love Ooh. that word because I think it's in, in a culture where we talk about white supremacy systems, comfort, is is there. And so I don't like that word comfort. But what you said when I if I heard you correctly and I was trying to listen really carefully, you said comfort first and then you actually said when I am signaling to someone that I'm listening. Mm -hmm. And so if we could reclaim that word comfort as a mm -hmm. signal of active listening, I'm just grateful um for the frame that you put on that word, Crystal. And I was my follow-up question was have you noticed in your own learning journey, like what kind of habits you've adopted to come to a space as an active listener? Because that's a very specific um, and important skill. And I'm just wondering, like, what does that look like for you as a as an active listener? I'm just if you could share. And I know that's off script, but I'm just really curious because <laughs> you brought it up. Yeah, no, I, I love that question. I, I think for me, as I've thought more about like my growth just as a person, I think I'm an empathetic person. Mm. And like some people will identify themselves as empaths, right? Um, I don't know if I'm an empath, but I kind of feel like that. 
Because when I'm having a conversation with someone and if they're telling me a story, whether it's a happy story or whether it's a sad story, like I'm listening to them Mm -hmm. and I feel like what they're feeling. Um, Like I can cry at the drop of a dime. Like if somebody else is telling a sad story and I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) I can cry. Or like if you're on social media and you see all these great happy Mm -hmm. stories, you know, things that people do for each other, I'll cry at that. Like, you know, I just think that I am empathetic to people when we're having a conversation, whatever Mm -hmm. that conversation may be. I think that I give them my attention mm-hmm. um, and, um, yeah. and, and again, and try, and try to actively listen to what they're saying. But I think I just, when we are having a conversation, I'm, I'm able to make some kind of connection to what they're saying to something that I've experienced or something that I have felt. And so I think that's what allows me um, to be empathetic and to be like really hearing them and hearing mm-hmm. what they're saying. Um, Thank you. So that's how I would. Yeah, yeah that's, that's how I would look at that. That's super helpful. I appreciate that. You you also mentioned the openness that you bring, and I think that probably contributes, right? You come sort of with an open open mind and heart. It sounds like with with the emotions being expressed. Yeah. yeah. So I I mean, speaking of emotions, I'm just so grateful <laughs> for this conversation. Um, we have, yeah. que- you know, as our listeners know, we have questions. And the great thing about those questions is we never know where it's going to lead us. And so I'm always joyful um, for the journey that guests like yourself take us on. And I do want to give you one more shout out and then I promise I'll stop. Um, I'm also grateful. And I think there are a lot of people that are always going through transitions. So it's another really good reminder, Crystal. You said that when you were making a transition, you were nervous because there were new people and new relationships. And you also said that you had to remember that those people who were in the organization were also new and feeling nervous. And so I think it's really important that we remember that like, we're not the only ones that are in the newness of this relationship. So as someone who has transitioned or transitioning, I was like, like heartened to hear that, like, yeah, okay. My new colleagues are also maybe nervous <laughs> about the newness. So, yeah. um, so grateful. So, so as we wrap up, we always love to, um, offer or invite our, our guests. Is there anything you want to share that we didn't cover that you want to, I don't know, expand on before we wrap up the the conversation? You know, I actually, I wanted to go back to something you said earlier, when Carrie, when we were talking about comfort and you were saying how that's not a word you typically enjoy, um, especially in the context when we're thinking of like white supremacy and how mm-hmm. this country and even others are really steeped in it yeah. and how much it has affected everything. Um, this year I did, when I did my vision board, one of my words on my vision board is discomfort. Mm-hmm. And discomfort because we, oftentimes won't push ourselves or try something new um, because it's not comfortable to us, plain and simple. And so I, I think, you know, that's something that I wanted to share because you were talking about comfort. And I also think too, with comfort, comfort can be utilized in different contexts, right? So like from your perspective, you know, with, um, comfort in white supremacy in our country, but comfort can also mean kind of what I had talked about earlier making sure people are comfortable, mm-hmm. um, when we're talking about sense of belonging. So I think it's important for people to understand that, like you said, our words that we use, they can certainly have different contexts too. And they're going to mean 
different things to different people. But I, again, I think that's what is part of, you know, us building relationships and mm-hmm. just even just living in this world as it is, we're all not going to have the same perspective and that's okay. Because if we did, it'd be kind of dull. Um, we wouldn't have all this excitement that we have in the United States uh, if we all had the same perspective. But, you know, thinking about discomfort, that's my word for, or my vision board for the year. And, you know, I hope people think about that too for themselves. You know, what makes you uncomfortable? You know, what is stopping you from pursuing a new hobby or pursuing a new job or pursuing a new relationship? Like, think about, think about those things. Oftentimes it's because we're comfortable with where we are. Yeah. So it's just, I'll say Crystal, I, I just love what you're, what you're sharing right now. And I'm, you're making me think, where am I comfortable? Where am I not comfortable or less comfortable and kind of all my things right now. And the things that make me the least comfortable at the jump, um, they sort of give me that gut of like, Ooh, it's gonna be hard are generally the things that are the most rewarding and that I'm the happiest with ultimately. And sometimes the comfort feels a little bit stale. So I think your challenge of moving out of the comfort, because the comfort sometimes is nice and sometimes it's, it's just where you're stuck, right? Yeah. It it can be a hindrance. Right. So I think I'm so glad this was your, your last nugget of wisdom, because I think it'll give everybody something to think about. Yeah, I I would agree. I just wrote down two possible podcast episodes and maybe you'll have to come (laughs) back, Crystal. I think thinking about managing that discomfort, right? And all the benefits that come with discomfort and even the strategies that you might use, because I would love to hear more about sort of what you do to be in that discomfort. Because I think to me, that's the key is being able to be in that discomfort, right? Not just push it away. Um, And then I wrote down the other one. I would love to talk with you more about language, um, and how we show up with the language. And cause I wonder, um, you know, those spaces that you're creating to show up as your authentic self, part of the strategies might be speaking about the language. Like I'm going to use this mm-hmm. word and this is what I mean by it. Right. And not assuming yeah. that people understand. So, so maybe there's another, maybe you'll come back and we'll have another episode where we can pick your brain about these cool topics. Yeah. Listen, anything for y'all. So y'all just say the word. I am there. That's fantastic. (laughs) Well, this has been amazing. Um, It definitely met my expectations, exceeded them. All the little nuggets I wrote down, Crystal, I'm trying to like figure out how to organize all of what you said. So (laughs) you are a leader. You are making huge contributions to the world and to your individual colleagues and friends. And I know I can speak for Bran as well, that we're just grateful to have you in our, our orbit and, and to be able to call you friend um, means a lot. So thank you so much for being with us on the podcast today. And this is another episode of tell me this. I am your co-host Carrie Bukowski with Brianne Ruse, and it was a pleasure to speak with Dr. Crystal Newby. Thanks and be well, everybody. So sincere. Under the glaciers of your last year